This episode of the Holly Fueled Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. To save 10% off your first month of therapy, visit the link in the show notes, which is BetterHelp, better slash Holly Fueled. Hey everyone, I am Holly Samuel and I am a registered dietitian, board certified sports dietitian, certified personal trainer, CEO and founder of Holly Field Nutrition, and of course, your podcast host today. And today we are going to be diving into the topic of should women carb load? Um, <laughs> this is a topic that keeps getting brought up um, each year. There's been a lot of confusion on this topic. I think there's a lot of confusion on carb loading anyway, which I do have other episodes and other resources that are more um, detailed and inclusive just on what carb loading is, how to do it, if you should do it, when you should do it, some nuances around that um, in past episodes on taper nutrition and fueling marathon performance. Also in things like my runner roadmap course, my fuel mini course, and my race day fuel plan masterclass, all of which are linked in the show notes if you do need extra support. But this topic gets circulated, um, a lot. There's a lot of confusion. Um, there is a specific PhD researcher who has, um, a lot of, pull and influence in the sports nutrition and female physiology space. Um, and I want to put it out there that this is not to shame her, um, or put her work down in any way. I've had her on the podcast before I chat with her, we follow each other. I follow her research. I very much appreciate everything that she does for this community because, uh, to be honest, they're, there isn't a ton of education on the on these topics, and there does need to be more research, and there does need to be more education. But there is a specific article that um, she and other people have been parroted, because uh, that's what the internet does, is they just take things that other people who are educated in the topic have said, and they just play telephone with it. Um, so it gets misconstrued and confused. There's clickbait. Um, but there is a particular article that she has put out um, probably one or two years ago that I have been getting sent a lot more recently because people find it triggering. People find it confusing because it seems to contradict everything that myself and other sports dietitians who are very well educated and are experts in this space seem to be recommending re women in carb loading. And that is that the article is titled, you know, um, should women carb load and can women women carb load and basically the clickbait is that no they shouldn't and it's not effective for women and then it cites some research that basically says that's not true at all um so it's very confusing very clickbaity so i want to dive into some of the nuance of that to hopefully clear the air so if you want the down and dirty bottom line should women and can women carb load yes <laughs> yes and they should and they could and it will improve performance. The research we have on this is very flawed and limited. So there is that. There does need to be more research done. Um, it will be very beneficial if we could get more of that done on female athletes, since we know there's a huge gap. I've talked to so many PhDs on this show who are participating in trying to fill the gap with their own research. Um, 
So again, we're working on it. Um, and we can't discount the research that is there on men too, because yes, women are not small men, um, but they are humans. They are of the same species. <laughs> so basic physiology and basic science and fueling principles absolutely can apply to women. Um, you know, a lot of women kind of skip the basics and kind of try to go right to the fancy stuff like cycle phasing and hormone, you know, sinking. And should I be fueling differently throughout my cycle? And they're kind of missing the basics that they really need to be covering first for any of that really nuanced stuff that honestly, we don't have a ton of research on to really even apply. So I have a whole podcast episode on that topic with um, uh, Dr. Alyssa Olenek. You may know her as Docless Fit Fitness um, on Instagram. That is from about a year ago. So you can go scroll on back and check out that episode if you want to dive into the research and her takes on that. But without further ado, let's get into some of the research and bottom lines of should women carb load? What's been done on this? What's the deal? Okay. So just to revisit, what is carb loading? What's the purpose? Is this even supported in any human? <laughs> um, so basically the process of carbohydrate loading is a one to four plus day process where we are purposefully increasing the amount of food we are eating coming from carbohydrates. So we're not necessarily eating a ton more calories. It's just more of our energy needs are coming from carbohydrates. We increase from about, you know, 50 to 60% of our caloric intake to 70 to 90% of our caloric intake coming from carbohydrates. And we use eight to 12 grams per kilogram per day to calculate how many grams of carbohydrate per body weight that we should be eating. So that's kind of the down and dirty. The purpose is to top off our glycogen stores, which is stored carbohydrate. We get energy from glucose in our bloodstream, and we also get energy from glycogen that can be released as extra energy from our carbohydrate stores. We also can burn fat for energy, which we're doing all the time. And it is pretty well known that women are better natural fat oxidizers than men. Um, that's becoming a topic that is a bit more researched and a bit well known. You can also kind of train your body to be more fat oxidize adapted by consuming less carbohydrates and doing fasted workouts. But we know that this does not have inherent benefit for most people, whether they are male or female, anywhere on the gender spectrum, um, if their primary goal is health and optimized performance. Basically, there's more risk than benefit to that. Um, and there are going to be some outliers at the top of the top population in terms of elite performance. Um, and also there may be some outliers for certain medical conditions where that might be more appropriate. But general podcast education to most of you, uh, most of you are in the majority and not the minority. Yeah, we need to we need to eat carbs. They're our main source of energy. We're going to burn fat for fuel anyway. We don't really need to like work on practicing that. Our bodies, especially if you're female, are already pretty good at that. <laughs> so um, the process of carb loading is to top off our glycogen stores for events that are going to require large amounts of energy to be mobilized and used when we are wanting to run basically as fast as we can for as far as we can, especially for distances that are going to be in the 90 plus minute range. Um, so if you are running a half marathon, a full marathon, an ultra marathon, uh, if you're doing like a 
um, ultra endurance challenge, like the dopey challenge in Disney world. If you're doing an Ironman, a half Ironman, an Olympic try, you know, anything that's going to take you over 90 minutes for the most part. And you're trying to really, you know, perform well, um, carb loading is going to be your friend because it is going to help top off glycogen stores. Our glycogen typically can give us about 2000 plus calories of stored carbohydrate. And this lasts most people through about the two hour mark. Um, that's going to vary a little bit depending on the person, depending on how much muscle they have, because glycogen is stored in the muscles and also in the liver. Um, it's not stored in fat tissue. So we kind of take that variable out of it, um, which is where the grams per kilogram of body weight can be flawed because everyone have slightly different body composition, but it does really have to do with your body size and how much muscle mass is on your body and how much you can carb load. Um, so we want to be carb loading typically for two to four days for events that are going to last us in that two and a half plus hour range. So for most of you, that's probably the marathon. Um, and we want to be carb loading probably for one to three days for events lasting shorter than that, probably more in the 90 minute to two, two and a half ish hour range. So for most of you, that's probably more like the half marathon. Um, and again, this process is taking your body weight. And again, this is not a perfect process, but I don't know all of you individually, so I can't individualize this to you. But basic carb loading calculators are going to tell you to use 8 to 12 grams of carbohydrate per kilogram of body weight per day that you are carb loading. Um, so to get your weight from pounds, and you can guess on your weight if you don't want to weigh yourself, um, to get your weight from pounds into kilograms, you divide by 2.2. So for about 150 pound athlete, that's about 68 kilograms of body weight. Their carb load range is going to be 545 grams of carbohydrate to about 816 grams of carbohydrate per day. Um, and this should really be like a gentle scale up from where you're at in your training. This should not be doubling, tripling, quadrupling your carbohydrate intake. If that is the case, and this is where the topic of this podcast episode enters, then you are not eating enough in your day-to-day -to, -day to support your training. And this probably isn't going to go super well for you until you learn how to do that. Because carb loading is a process that your body can get better at over time. Um, and we, whenever we, you know, change up our diet, you know, we don't want to be really significantly changing it a ton the week of a really big, you know, key race for us. So we really kind of want to have practiced this. It should feel like a gentle scale up and not like a massive change <laughs> to your diet. Um, and a lot of people that I work with, and I've been here myself, have been like, oh no, that would be a very massive change to my diet. That is so many carbohydrates and not even coming close to that in training. And that friend, that means you're underfueling. Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world who is going through a hard time, therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a different way. And that's why I am so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable, more accessible, and this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really, really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, 
It's remote. And by filling out just a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in a little as a few days. Um, when I used BetterHelp, it was a few hours. <laughs> um, so it is truly a very quick and easy process compared to um, what I've had clients experience and what I've experienced myself in traditionally trying to find a therapist through the healthcare system. It is really easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There is a link in my description, which is betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash hollyfueled, which is H-O-L-L-E-Y-F-U-E-L-E-D. And that link is in the description. Clicking that link helps supports this podcast, and it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you out. Because finding a therapist can be a little bit like dating, if you don't really fit with the first therapist they match you to, which is super common in healthcare and therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. So if you are struggling, book the appointment, get started, consider online therapy with BetterHelp, visit the link in the description. And again, if this is something that you think is going to help you or you're nervous about it, taking the plunge is the most important first step. And then BetterHelp is going to let you sort out the rest. Now let's get back to the episode. All right. So the problematic article that seems to confuse people um, basically states that if you look at the research um, and you look at some of the studies that have been done on females and carb loading, what the studies for the most part have done is they have taken female caloric intake and they have multiplied by a percentage for carb loading. So like I said, they've basically increased the percentage of calorie intake that's coming from carbohydrates in these studies. And when compared to men, when women have done this, they have found that there has not been much of a performance benefit. It's been significantly smaller or non-existent to the males. What I really want to point out here before we dive into the nitty gritty of this and how to read research, because knowing how to read research is important. <laughs> um, there were no cons to carb loading. Okay. So there wasn't any risk found. There weren't any negative side effects found. Mostly these studies just found that there wasn't a huge amount of benefit, especially compared to men. Now in men, there's been a lot of very well-established research, and I'm going to link all of these PubMed ID studies in the show notes. So if you do feel like going to check them out and, you know, fact check me, and do your own research, you can do that. Um, but it's very well established in the literature for men that carb loading increases performance. <laughs> okay. So that's why you see me and every other sports RD out there recommend it because it's very well established. It's in all of our textbooks. It is something that, you know, continues to be well established and is on the board's exam that we take. Um, it's something we practice with most of our athletes and individualize to their needs. And most people have really great success with, okay? So very well established in men. It can increase performance um, by about three to 5%, which is very significant. And that's just proper carb loading, right? That's not even taking into account a proper fuel plan um, for during the race and going into the race healthy because you've been fueling well the whole time. Okay. So 
carb loading alone, you're leaving a lot of time on the table for something like the half or full marathon if you're not doing it or not doing it properly. Um, so basically, in the first study that this article cites, um, there are eight well-trained female endurance athletes, and they were given three different time trials to run of about 24 kilometers. Um, there were a couple different groups. So there was one with no carbohydrate load um, and no supplements, which is the placebo group. There was one with a carbohydrate load and supplements. Um, they were carbohydrate supplements only. And basically the outcome was that there was no difference in performance. So the conclusion of this study that this article is citing is that carb loading doesn't work for females. When in fact, when you look at the, the actual study design, we can see that essentially what they were doing is they were using 75% of calories for these women that they were just existing on eating coming from carbohydrates for a four day carbohydrate load. This about averaged to about five grams per kilogram of carbohydrate per body weight. This is not enough to carb load. When we know that for men, it takes at least eight grams per kilogram of body weight to carb load. So of course it didn't work. They weren't doing it enough, right? Um, so the article also points this out, which is where the title of the article that gets circulated around and sent to me by this popular platform um, it's a bit clickbaity, to be honest, because this person is a researcher. They do know how to read research studies and they do call out that, hey, the reason the research has probably found that women sh shouldn't carbohydrate load is because these study designs were heavily flawed and the women were actually properly carb loading. <laughs> okay. So it's really important to point this out. So when we do a different study to kind of help debunk this with six well-trained females, Basically, they were supposed to ride a spin bike until exhaustion, so slightly different um, study design, but still a long period of time. And basically, the carb-loaded trials had an 8% increased time to exhaustion and 13% higher glycogen stores. And these women were properly carb-loading using at least 8 grams per kilogram of carbs per body weight or about 400 to 500 grams of carbohydrate per day. So again, when they're carbohydrate loading properly, it results in a significant increase in performance. Okay. So, you know, it's, these study designs are very flawed, um, you know, and, and there's definitely limits, right? We're talking about eight well-trained female endurance runners. We're talking about six well-trained female endurance athletes. These aren't huge studies. They are randomized control trials, which is beneficial, but they're not huge studies either. So of course we need more, research. Um, another study that, again, this article also points out, found that essentially um, when females and males of well-trained athletes, uh, endurance athletes, were compared to each other, it basically found that the females habitually were under fueling and that males habitually tended to do a little bit better with fueling, which is why if we take percentage of total calories as our carb load mechanism, it's not going to be apples to apples when we're talking about women who aren't eating enough calories to begin with. So you take a percentage of the pie that's not big enough to begin with, that percentage isn't going to be significant, right? So this is where basically... We conclude from these couple of research studies for females that we need we need to take their their body weight and multiply by grams of carbohydrate to get a number that's going to ensure a proper carb load for them to see any improvement in performance. 
So the message of women shouldn't carb load because studies found it doesn't significantly help them. That's totally wrong. <laughs> um, basically studies found it doesn't significantly help women if they're not eating enough carbohydrates. So if anything, they should absolutely carb load because when they do, it does increase performance significantly and there's no risk. Um, so in terms of debunking this, Yes, women should carb load. Yes, women can carb load. No, it's not that our bodies lack some sort of mechanism to not let carbohydrates into glycogen stores. This is also very misleading. Um, a lot of people talk about how during certain phases of the menstrual cycle, we don't have as good access to our carbohydrate stores. We can't carb load, yada, yada, yada. This isn't true, um, especially when the research we're citing always pretty much concludes that women don't eat enough. <laughs> so telling them not to carb load or that they shouldn't eat carbohydrates when the reality of that is that they just don't eat enough, it's they're very conflicting messages, okay? So women are more likely to be underfueling, which is what we find, find in this research, than men. So the message needs to be women, we need to eat more, we need to fuel adequately with all of the macronutrients. And when we do that, we can absolutely carb load and benefit from it just as much, um, or at least comparably enough so to males, and there's no risk for this. Um, so we need to be hearing this message from people with large platforms who do understand how to read research more often. And when I talk about understanding how to read research, I mean, not just looking at an abstract and, you know, reading the results conclusion, <laughs> okay? We need to also look at the study design. You know, how many people was this done on? Uh, what population was this done on? Does this even apply to me? You know, if it's sedentary men and you're a female marathoner, then it might not apply to you. Re-intermittent fasting studies, ketogenic studies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, also we want to know what type of study was this? Was it a randomized control trial, which is the gold standard, but really hard to mimic in nutrition research because it's hard to do these long-term on people. Was it a survey questionnaire? Very heavily flawed if it was. You know, how, how did this work, basically? And then we also need to read, you know, any potential limits to the study that typically study research designers are going to discuss heavily um, in the notes of the research study like this one, for example, where they found that, yeah, we found no significant difference in performance when women carb loaded, but we also found that they weren't actually carb loading properly. Okay. Important stuff to know. Um, and of course, we also want to look for any conflicts of interest. You know, was the coconut oil study funded by the coconut oil company? Um, we don't always need to write this off as like, ah, so biased, can't even take it, you know, with a grain of salt, especially because like, I don't know, like what company cares more about research on their product than that company itself, right? Like, so of course they're going to fund studies. Um, it doesn't always mean they're heavily uh, corrupted or anything like that, but it is really good to keep in mind if that's like the only research that we have on that product um, or ingredient or mechanism. So we really want to be looking at research with a well-informed, educated eye so that we're reading it properly, which again is what me and so many of my other colleagues have gone to school for years and years and years to do. We read research every day. You know, it's just, it's something we want to be informed and based on. We want to be evidence-based, but also not evidence-limited if the evidence that we have kind of sucks, you know, like if it's just not 
high quality research design. Um, this is where a lot of clinical practice also comes into play. And people's anecdotal personal experiences, what I see in clinical practice, is not what we should always base large educational platform content on um, because one person's experience is super valid. Like I don't want to gaslight them. Their experience matters. It's valid. Um, but it doesn't mean that that's what we should be preaching to everyone, right? So we kind of want to use a combination um, is how I at least base my practice and my content platform. So when I see research on, hey, these studies find that women carb loading doesn't really help them. But then I look more into the research and I find out that, oh, this is heavily flawed. And actually it does find that it would probably help them if they were doing it like the men were and were doing it properly. And actually when I practice this myself and when I help my clients practice this, we do see for the majority of the time when they're doing it properly and have been well-fueled throughout their training, we see very significant improvements. People say they feel amazing. They don't hit the wall. They don't have GI distress. You know, they feel like they can finish strong and keep going and go faster and they PR and the marathon and all that good stuff, right? So that's also why, um, you know, I keep talking about it until enough research comes out that is high quality that proves me wrong. Because that can always happen too, right? Nutrition is an ever-changing science. But we also can't ignore like the heaps and heaps of research saying that, hey, carb loading works super well for men, um, <laughs> you know, right? Women are also humans. Let's see if it applies to them. And if not, then yeah, we do need more research on it. And I think we could absolutely benefit from more research on carbohydrate intake and female athletes, especially in the marathon and further. Um, so when it comes to um, this, now that I'm rambling. Um, a couple different ways to troubleshoot carb loading that I help clients with if they have tried to kind of follow the rule book, you know, they feel like they've been fueling pretty adequately during their training. Carb loading makes them feel really bad. You know, they, they have a lot of like highs and lows and feel like they crash a lot in terms of their blood sugar and energy levels. For some women, those crashes can come with anxiety and panic attacks um, or just have them feeling really bleh in general. If this is the case for some people, what I'll say, and I've implemented this myself too, um, is to take a longer, more gradual approach to carb loading. Again, to make sure you're fueling well all the time so that you're not dramatically increasing your carbohydrate intake and to perhaps do a seven to eight gram per kilogram per day carb load for three to five days. Do it for a longer period of time because that way you'll still top off your glycogen stores. You're just going to do it in a more gradual way um, and be able to not impact those blood sugar swings as much if you tend to be more sensitive. But we do know that a lot of people do just fine <laughs> with doing the shorter and quicker version of that that has been well-established in research. So we can kind of take some of this framework and individualize it to people with certain health conditions or who just seem to have certain anecdotal reactions to carb loading, making sure we're covering our bases. And one, they're doing it properly as prescribed. Two, it's appropriate for them. And three, they've been fueling well throughout their training. So this isn't such a dramatic increase. Um, and four, setting their expectations to be reasonable. Carb loading is always going to not feel the best for most people. For most people, it'll feel like they have to eat a lot more consistently throughout the day. 
to keep their blood sugar stable. They're going to feel fluffy, you know, and puffy and like they're retaining water. That's the whole point. Glycogen is stored in water. So if we're storing glycogen, we got to store water. They might feel a little bit heavy on the tarmac when they start their race. But again, the goal isn't to feel perfect at the start. The goal of carb loading is to be able to keep going through the finish. <laughs> okay. So, um, also setting reasonable expectations and managing perception of body image and relationship with food, super important to make this go more seamlessly. And again, we know through research that women do tend to have a harder time with this, likely because of all of the problematic diet culture-esque messaging that is out there and super toxic in the sports nutrition world. So in conclusion, can women and should women carb load? Yes. Most women, any age group, uh, pre-menopause, perimenopause, post-menopause, throughout the menstrual cycle, yes, they should carb load. It will benefit them. There may be some individualizing we can do if they are having certain poor reactions to it, but the research doesn't show that there's any negative to carb loading. And any research showing it's not beneficial is heavily flawed in that they were not consuming enough carbohydrates to properly carb load in the first place. Okay, so hopefully this helps clear the air on this topic. Um, if you appreciate the podcast, if you love this free content that I put out for you guys, I'd really appreciate a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast player of choice. It helps so much. Um, this is something I love doing. I, it's really important to me to make my information accessible. So we're not gatekeeping, you know, any of this content on health and performance. Um, if you do need extra support and you do want some of that more individualized, more troubleshoot type of advice and support, um, I'll link a couple resources in the show notes, including my runner roadmap course, uh, which is open for enrollment, um, and also my fueled masterclass membership where we cover topics like this more in depth with visuals and implementation techniques and Q and A's all the time. Um, but until next time, happy carb loading and happy running. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 